I'm so thankful for fathers, and in particular, my father. And like we talked on Mother's Day, like God does with mothers, he uses fathers to tell us a lot about him. And I'm thankful for how my father, growing up and and even today, has been a reflection of my heavenly father, an extension of him, if you will. The first way I think about how my father's been an extension of my heavenly father is that he's been my provider, my provider. As an agent of God, my dad took care of all of my needs growing up. And you know that's what God does for every single one of us. Psalm 145, verses 15 through 16, the Bible says, The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. You might think to yourself, well, I earned the money that paid for the food on my table. Well, it's God that gave you the power to get that wealth. It is He who feeds us and provides for all of our needs, whether we realize it or are thankful for it or not. And growing up, it was my dad who was my provider, who on behalf of God cared for my needs. I never went a day without food growing up. As a Canadian, I was spoiled and rich, and my dad worked very hard so that we always had plenty of food. I never had to skip a meal. My dad provided nice clothes and and, and shoes and nice haircuts. Now, you may take that for granted, but when we were young, my mom attempted to cut my brother's hair and my hair. And after one try, my dad said, never again. I will find the money. Uh, it, It turned out so terribly. And he was willing to pay whatever it cost so we could get a nice haircut. I'm so thankful that my dad provided an excellent education for me. And he spent many hours, we had a satellite dish in our backyard that was used to record lessons from uh, the Bob Jones uh, curriculum that we used. And he had to angle it a certain way, and then he had to check the signal. He went to great, he had to wake up at odd hours to record for us. He went to great lengths, not only to pay for the education, but to make it possible. I'm thankful, though, that Like my heavenly father, my earthly father didn't just care for my needs, but he also provided a lot of wants. And you know, that's what God does for us. The Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Especially here in Canada, we are so rich. We are so blessed. God pours out his benefits upon us. And, and growing up, my, my dad, we didn't have a lot of money when I was younger, but he and my mom found a way where we could get pizza every Sunday night as part of a deal that the corner store was having. And he, he worked hard so that we could go on vacation. And, and so we'd go tenting because it was inexpensive and just made memories that have lasted a lifetime. And he just provided for all of these wants beyond needs. I'm thankful also that my father gave me opportunities. And I'm sure you can say the same of, of your father. He, he gave me the opportunity to learn to work. You know, a little secret I'll let you in on, as a kid, I was naturally very lazy. I didn't want to work. And if it hadn't been for my dad getting 
uh, my brother and myself a paper route, I don't know how I would have learned to work. But he got us a paper route, and then he helped us start a lawn mowing business, and then he worked hard to keep it functioning, and he, he provided these opportunities. And I don't know what it is in your life, but I'd encourage you today to, to think back on your life and how your dad provided not only for needs, but also wants, and gave you so many of the opportunities you enjoy. Teens, I would encourage you especially, don't take for granted all that God has provided for you through your father and through your parents. We are, are so spoiled growing up here. And young people, I'd encourage you to think about all that your parents sacrificed so that you could grow up in Canada. We have some of the most hardworking people here at Metro Baptist Church who literally, some of you, gave up everything to get your family to Canada and to give your children opportunities that you didn't have. And children, don't take that for granted. Thank your father today for the hours and hours that he has labored to put food on the table, the clothes that you need to give you opportunities. Don't take it for granted. I'm thankful also that not only was my father my provider, but he was also, on behalf of my heavenly father, my protector. And yes, we think of physical protection, but growing up in Canada, this is a very safe place. I, I haven't necessarily been threatened physically, but I'm so thankful that my father protected me from evil as a child. Because that's what our heavenly father does. The, the Bible says in Psalm 121, the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I think of my father, I think of 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, it's speaking of the Lord. It says, the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. I'm so glad that my dad was faithful to the Lord and faithful to protect us children from evil. He, he protected us from bad influences that could have come uh, from the TV or the computer or, or friendships. He taught me as a young man to look away when we passed by some kind of image that was provocative and not pleasing to the Lord. He taught me to look away, and he protected my eyes. I'm so thankful. One way that my father protected me, he didn't blindly trust me. He didn't blindly trust me. You know, one thing that's very sad is when parents trust their children. Now I know there has to, as they grow up, you know, you develop some kind of mutual trust. But as a young man, I didn't deserve to be trusted. I needed my father to make lots of boundaries and lots of protection and not blindly trust me, not allow me to, to look on a phone by myself in my room or, or, or not allow me to hang out with people that he didn't know. He didn't blindly trust me and I'm so glad that because of that, he protected me from so much evil. And, and teenagers, let me urge you, don't resent your parents' rules. Those rules are there to protect you. They're there because they love you and they want what's best for you. Don't resent all the ways that God is using your father, your mother to protect you. And finally, I'm thankful that God used my dad as a preacher, as a preacher. But not just in the sense of preaching from this pulpit, but preaching at home. I think of the, the verse where it says, 
the Lord is speaking, Psalm 32, 8, and he says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And from the time I was very little, I'm so thankful that my dad taught us the word of God at home. We had family devotions, and he modeled for me what it was like to read God's word daily. I always saw him having my daily devotions, and I just thought that was normal. And so when I was about seven years old, I began to read the Bible every day. Why? Because of his example. Because he was not only preaching the truth, but he was modeling it. I'm thankful for his loving correction. Uh, I got spanked a lot, and I deserved it, and I needed it. And I'm thankful that when I was out of line, he told me, and I learned very early on that there are consequences to sin. And I'm so glad for my father's loving correction. And teens, I'd urge you to thank your parents today for taking you to church. For those of us who grow up in church, we take it for granted, we think it's normal. But how many kids do you go to school with and are in your neighborhood that don't have this same privilege? That don't know clearly what is right and what is wrong. And if your parents are teaching you what is right and what is wrong and and bringing you to church, don't take it for granted. And I just want to say, fathers who are here today, you are to be commended for having your families in church. I read some kind of statistic the other day, something like 92% of families where the father goes to church, the family will follow. Fathers, your influence is so powerful And I'm thankful that you, like my dad, preach the truth to us kids. But along those lines, what I'm most thankful for that my dad taught me and that my dad preached, not only in the pulpit at church, but at home, was he told me about the Lord Jesus. And you know, there's nothing better, fathers, that you can do for your children than point them to the Lord Jesus. You know that there's... Nothing more that our Heavenly Father wants to do than to tell us about Jesus. And this morning, for the the moments that we have left, we are going to look at the three occasions in the Gospel records, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the life of Jesus. The three occasions when God the Father spoke audibly from heaven. And all three times, what is he speaking about? His Son. And so this Father's Day, we're going to hear from our Heavenly Father about what He has to say about His Son. And I urge you to listen and to take heed to what He has to tell us. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Now, you've got to understand the context. In in biblical times, there were different types of baptism. In the Old Testament, if you read Leviticus, there were different washings, or you could call them baptisms, that priests or people who had been defiled had to go through in order to be fit to serve in the tabernacle, or to approach God in a relationship with Him. So there were the ceremonial cleansings uh, that pictured being clean and pure and fit to serve the Lord and have a relationship with Him. Then as time went on, uh, in, in Jewish society, if there were a Gentile, 
So a Gentile is just a non-Jew. So that's pretty much all of us here this morning. If a Gentile wanted to become a follower of the Jewish faith, they wanted to uh, adopt Jehovah as their God, they had to go through a ceremony that involved baptism. And it pictured that they were being cleansed from the impurity of being a Gentile, and now they were fit to practice the religion of the Jews and worship Jehovah. Then when John the Baptist comes on the scene, it's a similar type of baptism, but it's not just for Gentiles. It's a baptism of repentance. It's a baptism where people acknowledge that they've sinned against the holy God, and they want to come clean with God. They want to start afresh. And so people would come to John the Baptist for this baptism of repentance. They wanted to confess their sins and start off clean with God. They wanted to be ready for his coming kingdom. We don't have time to really go into it, but John the Baptist, we, we get little glimpses of his preaching, and he said to the people, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he was announcing the arrival of the Messiah, of Jesus. And he was saying, if, if you are going to be part of the Messiah's kingdom, you must repent. You must acknowledge that you have sinned against God and you've got to come clean. And so he's baptizing all of these people in Jordan, these people who want to come clean before God, who are confessing their sins. And then Jesus shows up on the scene wanting to be baptized. And so you can imagine John the Baptist's discomfort with this. He knows that the Lord, the, the Messiah, hasn't sinned that he doesn't need this baptism of repentance. And so John the Baptist, in humility, he says, I have need to be baptized of thee. I need you to clean me. Who am I to baptize you, Lord? And so there's this confusion in John the Baptist's mind. But notice what the Lord says in verse 15 of Matthew 3. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it or allow it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. We don't have time to really dig into this, but the main reason that Jesus wanted to be baptized of John was to fulfill all righteousness. Fulfill means to complete or to bring to the full. And Jesus came to this earth to do everything that was right in the eyes of his Father, to fulfill all righteousness. That's why, and you can turn over with me to Matthew 5. He says in Matthew 5, 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, and please notice this, that except your righteousness shall exceed or be greater than the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so here's what you've got to understand. If you read more of John the Baptist's preaching, 
he got right up in the face of the Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of the day who thought they had it all together, who strictly observed the law, or at least they thought they did. And John the Baptist gets up in their face and he says, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. He's telling these religious leaders who think they're righteous in the eyes of God, who think that they have earned God's favor on their own. He's saying, you need to repent because you're sinners just like everyone else. And so we, we see very early on in the ministry of Jesus that it becomes plain that the, one of the main reasons he came to earth was to live a perfect and righteous life on our behalf. He came to do what you and I are incapable of doing. He came to perfectly please his Father in every respect. He came to live a perfect life that you and I could not live. He came to fulfill all righteousness, and it was his Father's will that he be baptized, and so he said, yes, Father, and he was baptized. But also another reason that he chose to be baptized was to identify with sinners. Not only did Jesus come to live a perfect life on our behalf, but from the very beginning, he identified with us. And he said, I am going to take on myself your sins so that you can take on my righteousness. And here, as he's, as he's baptized by John, he's picturing what he's going to do at the end of his ministry. He's identifying with them in these waters of baptism, these waters of repentance. He's identifying with the sinner. And that is what the Lord Jesus did when he died on the cross. He identified with you and he identified with me. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says of God the Father, he hath made him, the Lord Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. When Jesus died on that cross, it wasn't just a, 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 an act to show us what love looks like. The, the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, were placed on him. And he identified with us and, and died in our place. And that's what's being pictured here at his baptism, that he was willing to identify with us and take our sins upon himself so that we could be made righteous in the eyes of God. But finally, and I believe the primary reason that we're going to look at this morning, that Jesus chose to be baptized was to receive testimony from his father. And here we're going to see the first time in the gospel records that the Father speaks from heaven. Notice verse 16 of our text in Matthew 3. Matthew 3, 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice with me a few things about this. The heavens were opened unto him. Only Jesus, who is perfect and holy and righteous before God the Father, has immediate access to God by his own merit. The heavens were opened unto him. The Spirit of God descended upon him. This is one of the greatest texts where we see the entire Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, all together. But, but by the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, 
This was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. Jesus wasn't just some random person who showed up on the scene. He was predicted for, for hundreds and thousands of years before he came. And you can read about some of these prophecies in Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 61, how the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon him. But, but this is what we've been building up to. I want you to see what did the Father have to say about the Son when he spoke from heaven? He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That word beloved, it means someone who is near and dear to someone else's heart. In Song of Solomon, we see a similar term, well beloved, where uh, in that, in that uh, book, there's this loving relationship between a husband and a wife. Sometimes I'll address letters to Miss Andrea, and the cover will say, my love. This is how God is referring to his son, my beloved son. In the gospel records, this word, beloved, is only ever used of the father speaking of his son. And in John 17, verse 24, we get a window into what this relationship between the father and the son was like in eternity past, when Jesus prays, thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. You want to know what God was doing before he created the universe? He was loving his son. And when God created us, he didn't create us because he needed us. He created us to share in that love. So he says, this is my beloved son, the, the son that I have loved from eternity past. But notice also he says, in whom I am well pleased. Well pleased, it means to be happy with someone, to take pleasure in them. And we understand that there's a big difference between sometimes being beloved and being well pleasing to someone. I was always growing up my dad's beloved child. He always loved me and I always knew that. But there were certainly times when I was not well pleasing to him. I would be arguing with my brother pretty much daily. That was not well-pleasing to my dad. And on one such occurrence, I'm sure it had to do with my brother. We were both getting in trouble at the same time, so we must have been arguing. Some of you heard this story before, but we always got spanked at the front door. So if our parents said, go to the front door, that meant we were in trouble. To this day, I get kind of queasy. No, I'm just kidding. When I go by the front door. But there are these big mirrors at the front door. And we were facing the mirror and bent over. And just to let you in on a little secret, Mrs. Mackay spanked harder than Pastor Mackay. <laughs> a lot harder. So we, we're bent over, we're in trouble, and we get spanked a couple times. Well, more than usual. I mean, usually it wasn't that bad, but even more than usual. It was like the wimpiest spanking I probably ever had. I mean, you could barely feel it. Well, being the idiots that we were, my brother and I choose to laugh. <laughs> Not a good idea. Uh, our dad made sure the next one uh, was worth it, okay? And in those moments, yes, we were his beloved children, and he was only uh, incurring that punishment for our good. But in those moments, yes, we were beloved, but we weren't well-pleasing in our Father's eyes. But the Lord Jesus has only ever been not just beloved of his father, but well-pleasing in his sight. 
And why is that? Because in John 8, 29, the Lord Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. Here's what God wants us to know from this first occasion where he spoke from heaven. The Lord Jesus is the only one who will ever be worthy of my love based on his own merit. The only one. He's the only one that on his own can perfectly please me in every respect. He's the only one who has ever fulfilled all righteousness. And you need to see this morning that this is why every human being must repent. You know what false religion wants to teach us? That God's standards really aren't that high, that we're not really all that bad, and we can earn our way to heaven, we can earn his favor by doing good. And it's a lie. Because God the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And it is only through him that your life and my life could ever be pleasing in the sight of a holy God. You know what's a beautiful thing about scripture? This word beloved in the gospel records is only ever used of the Lord Jesus. But you keep turning the pages and you read the epistles that were written to the church, and something changes. And this term begins to be used about people like you and people like me. And when you go to Romans 1 verse 7, Christians like you and me, imperfect people who had their fair share of flaws, are now referred to as beloved of God. You keep reading in the epistles and you find in Colossians 3.12 that we are referred to as the elect or the chosen of God, holy and beloved. What changed? When a person places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they turn around, they're going the wrong direction, living their own way, living for themselves, living in sin, when they turn around and believe on the Lord Jesus, that's what it means to repent, to turn, to change your mind. And when they look to the Lord Jesus as the only way that their life can be pleased in God's sight and believe on him, the perfect life that he lived, the death that he died on the cross for them, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus, they are adopted into God's family, they become his beloved, and we become well-pleasing in God's sight not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy. And so I'm urging you this morning, you will never be able to earn God's favor. You will never be well-pleasing in his sight. You will never be capable of fulfilling all righteousness on your own. That's why the Lord Jesus came. To live the life that we couldn't and to die in our place. And when you believe on him in a simple prayer of faith, I prayed as a 10-year-old boy. I didn't understand the whole Bible. I was no theologian, but I knew that I was a sinner, that Jesus Christ loved me and died for me, and I asked him to be my savior. And that day, I became a beloved child of God. And when I pillowed my head that night, for the first time in my life, I prayed to God as my father. Oh yes, I'd prayed before, I'd been in church, but for the first time ever, I knew in my heart by the witness of his Holy Spirit that I was his beloved 
Let me ask you, has there been a moment in your life where you repented, where you acknowledged that you were a sinner in need of Christ and believed on him? It's the only way that you can become a beloved and well-pleasing child of God. But I'm also urging not only those who may be lost this morning and may be unbelievers, I'm encouraging every child of God to turn around and believe on Jesus. Because please hear this. You do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to get saved and then go live life on your own the best you can. That's not how it works. If we could not please God on our own, in our flesh, before we got saved, we certainly can't do it after. And this is why Paul, when he's writing to the Galatian believers, he's angry. And he says to them, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, so you got saved by the Spirit of God coming inside you, you just believe by faith. Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? And how many Christians wake up every day trying to earn God's favor? Trying to measure up. Trying to make themselves better. You can't. It is only through the Lord Jesus believing on Him, trusting Him and His power working in you, that you and I can ever live lives pleasing to God. And this is why the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, the life which I now live, I've already been saved, I've already trusted Christ in my Savior, but the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me ask you, Christian, are you living by the faith of the Son of God? Or are you trying to earn God's favor? Are you trying to clean up your life on your own? Jesus did it for you. Look to him, believe on him to make you all that you ought to be. We must hasten to close, but the second occurrence in which God the Father speaks from heaven is in Matthew 17. Matthew 17, could you turn with me there? Matthew 17. The Bible says, Matthew 17, After six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the light, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So in this passage, Jesus takes three of his closest disciples. They go up into a mountain, and they get to see Jesus in his glorified heavenly state. His face is shining as the sun. And then out of nowhere, Elias, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, and Moses, the lawgiver, show up and they're talking with Jesus. And Peter, he's so flabbergasted, he's so dumbfounded at what he's seeing, 
he doesn't know what to say. And usually a good thing to do is be quiet. But for Peter, he just blurts out what he's thinking. He says, Lord, let's put three tabernacles up, one for each of you. And you get the feeling that he's as excited about these other men as he is the Lord Jesus. And then out of nowhere, a voice thunders from heaven and says, Peter, listen up. We don't have those words, but that's the tenor of what's happening. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Christian, you know what we've got to understand? That everything in this book, the law that God used Moses to write, the prophets, everything in this book is to point us to the Lord Jesus. It's all about him. And if you and I come to church or come to our Bible reading with any other goal than to know Jesus better and to love him more, we'll leave disappointed. But it's all about him. And our Heavenly Father is coming to us this morning on Father's Day. And he's trying to get his children's attention. And he's saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You know, most of our sin problems, or all of them rather, could probably be boiled down to a lack of believing in the Lord Jesus and what he has said, or to a lack of listening to him. Christian, here's what you need to understand. God is always speaking. This book is always alive. God is always trying to get your attention. God is always trying to lead you down the right path. He's always trying to bless you and speak words of love into your life. The question is, are you listening? It's like a radio. Most of those stations, they're, they're on all the time. But until you turn the dial to News 1130, you're not going to hear it. And God is always speaking, and he's always telling us about his son, and he wants us to enjoy abundant life in him. But let me ask you, are you turning the dial to his channel? Christian, this takes time. There's so much noise in our world. There's so many problems that you face on a daily basis with work and with family, so much stress. We're in an expensive city, and if we're not careful, we can by default, and, and maybe not even on purpose, but we can tune God out. This morning I'm urging you, or God the Father is urging us to not only turn around and believe in Jesus, but to tune in and listen to him. Parents, you need help raising your kids? You know what the Heavenly Father is saying to you this morning? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. He knows how to raise your kids. Christian, you're dealing with problems at work or at school. Problems that you don't know how to figure out. You know what the Father's saying? This is my beloved son. Hear him. The Lord Jesus knows how to handle that tough situation. He's got the wisdom that you lack. Teenager, you're making plans for after high school. Some of you graduating. You've got your whole life in front of you. If if the Lord tarries and if he gives you good health. You know what the Heavenly Father is saying to you this morning? This is my beloved son, hear him. Here's the truth, teenager. You don't know how to live life. I don't know how to live life, but Jesus does. 
So will you listen to him? Will you let him lead you? Husband or wife, are you struggling in your marriage? Maybe no one else knows what's going on. The father is coming to you this morning and saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Husbands, we don't know how to love our wives like we should, but the Lord Jesus does. And we're told to love our wives as he loved the church. And we're pretty miserable and pretty bad at loving our wives on our own. But with Jesus living inside us, if we'll listen to him, he can teach us. I don't know what it is in your life, but God the Father is coming to us today and he's saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Finally, we don't have time to turn there, so I'll just summarize it for you. In John chapter 12, the final occasion in the gospel records where God the Father speaks from heaven, the Lord Jesus has been approached by some Greeks, some Gentiles, like you and me, and they say, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And he doesn't really respond to them. He, he goes into this discourse. And at the end of the discourse, he says to the Father, glorify thy name. And here, the final occasion where we hear God the Father speak in the gospel records, this is what God the Father says. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. You know, there are a lot of people that come to church and they're like these Greeks. We would see Jesus. Maybe the first point you believed on Jesus, you're a Christian. Maybe the second point, oh yeah, I want to listen to Jesus. I want him to speak to my needs. I want him to make my life better. I want to see Jesus. I want to get to know him more. But you can't miss this last point. Not only is our Father calling upon us to turn around and believe on Jesus and to tune in and listen to the Lord Jesus, but finally, if you're taking notes, God is calling us to take up the cross and follow Jesus. You can read John 12 for yourself, and you know what God the Father is referring to when he says, I'm going to glorify my name again through your life when he's talking to his son. He's talking about the crucifixion. And Jesus had one goal when he lived on this earth, one goal, to glorify his Father. That was his only concern, to glorify him. Christian, can I ask you, what's your one concern in this life? Is it to glorify your Father and to point others to him, or is it to glorify yourself? Is it to earn a, a comfortable living for yourself? Is it to gain honor of men? Are we too afraid to speak up for the Lord Jesus lest we lose a position or, or, or lest we lose a friend? What is our one goal in life? The Lord Jesus was so intent on pleasing his Father and glorifying him that he was willing to go to the cross. And Christian, God asks nothing less of us. You say you want to know the Lord Jesus, you, you believe on him, you want to hear his voice. Are you willing to take up the cross? Are you willing to make whatever sacrifice Christ asks of you for his glory? Our Father loves us. And when you read in John 17, 
Jesus is praying, and he's talking about the glory that he had with the Father from before the world was. You know what he prays for you and me? That we could share in that glory. You know why God wants you to turn around and believe in Jesus? You know why God the Father wants you to tune in and listen to his Son? You know why God is compelling you to take up the cross and follow his Son? Because he wants you to share in his glory for all of eternity. He wants you to live out the purpose for which you were created of glorifying God. And the devil wants nothing more than to steal that from you. So let me urge you this morning, our Father is speaking to us from heaven, saying, this is my beloved Son. Are you believing on him? Are you listening to him? And are you willing to take up the cross and follow him wherever he leads? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we thank you that you, like any good father, but, but so much more than any earthly father, you want what's best for us. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has not believed on the name of the Lord Jesus, who is not yet your child, oh, we pray that you'd work in their heart during this invitation, that they would call upon your name to be saved. Lord, that they would leave this building this morning born again. And Lord, we pray if you've rebuked us this morning, if, if, if we've been letting all the noise in life distract us from your voice and we haven't been listening to the Lord Jesus, oh Lord, help us to Get back in our Bibles. Help us to prioritize attendance at your house where you want to speak to us. And Lord, you know our hearts. You know what we're living for. If we're living for anything less than your glory, oh, please reveal it to us. And oh, I pray that we would be a people that would take up our cross and follow the Lord Jesus wherever he leads. But God, there are going to be so many that stand before the judgment seat one day and say, I wish I had listened to your voice. I, I wish I had just followed Jesus. I wish I had put my plans aside. And oh God, I pray that you would mercifully work in the hearts of your people today so that they don't have those regrets. Oh Lord, I pray that we'd have some people who lead this morning taking up the cross and following you no matter the cost. Please bless this brief invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.